You are listening to the Hello Sport Podcast. All right, punters and dribblers, back again. Just knocking out podcast after podcast after podcast. Tom, we're back uh, today on a bit more of a serious note, I think you could say. Um, we've got two absolute legends in the studio. I have a chat uh, about the long run. So Lucky Clancy, Dan Price, these two weapons are going to be running 126.6 kilometres uninterrupted, um, pounding the street from Bondi to Palmy and back to Bondi, I believe, all in the name of Movember, suicide prevention, mental health awareness, uh, prostate cancer, testicular cancer. Um, Very important um, issues that need to be addressed. Uh, in the community, men's health has gone, I think, unrecognised largely or um, there hasn't been a whole lot of awareness on it for a long time. So it's good to know that there's boys out there changing that um, by running 126.6 kilometres, which is just ridiculous. So I'll introduce them now. Lockie, Dan, thanks for coming in, boys. Thanks for having a chat. Yeah, thanks, thanks for having, having us. Uh, how's the training going? How are you feeling? <laughs> We're keen, yeah, mate. No, feeling, feeling good. There's been some, some low points throughout the, uh, the training schedule, that's for sure. Uh, just really breaking the body in sort of six to seven weeks. You know, there's some dark spots. You meet some dark, dark little points of yourself when you're out there running. But uh, no, the body's feeling primed and ready to go at the moment. Yeah, mate. It's been, it's been big. Um, my training probably started a little earlier than Lockie's, uh, which it needed to, because I was, I was battling some some injuries earlier in the year. But uh, yeah, I think we've done about my totals like almost nine hundred k's now in training. In how um, long? In three months. So it's been a big three months. Yeah, that's my whole my whole running last year in three months. Shit. So, and your whole running last year is still like a flex. It's like every, you know what I mean. Like I'm like, oh, was it's it? Because I ran four k's last week and I have shin splints. So that's <laughs> <laughs> fucking keep it in perspective. <laughs> yeah, I'm, look, I, I'm feeling good and feeling confident, but I'm I'm pretty broken around the edges. Like I got a few niggles, but you just kind of you got to just accept that now. It's not like I'm not the first person that's going to do something big with with niggles. Like guys, I go on the footy field every week with broken shit. So it is what it is. But um, yeah, just pumped to get it done now, right? Absolutely. So what's the training like? Is it literally just about getting Ks under the legs? Or is there a certain way? Like are there times that you've set for yourselves that you want to try and beat? Which again, completely inappropriate and arrogant <laughs> if it's like you want to beat a, a time on 120 Ks. Like I want to be don't die. But you know, is yeah. that, have you got those sort of things in place? Yeah, definitely. The training's just getting Ks in the legs, breaking the body in and just sort of basically 10% increments each week. You increase your increase your load on. But at the moment, we've come to grips with, you know, the, the, the Cliffy Young, getting the Cliffy Shuffle on. Um, so we're just sort of sitting very slow pace. We're hardly moving, if I'm honest, but we're not out there to break any records. We just want to see the 126.6 click over. And so... <sighs> Where do you reckon this is going to take you? Like, have you got a sense of it off the training as to how dark this is going to get? Because, mm-hmm. you know, you hear of people doing, like, I think it's David Goggins, who he's, yeah. he does ultras all the time. He speaks on Joe Rogan every now and then. And he speaks about going to this, like, crazy place and how he just, he lives for that shit. Like, it just gets him up and about. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, have you got a taste <laughs> of that in the training already? Yeah, there, there's been some pretty dark training. I did one... Um, when I my longest training run at the time was a 52k and it ended up being solo um and it was Bondi to I wanted to run out to the northern beaches so I went to DY and then decided stupidly that I'd run to my parents place in Pimble to make the k's up and it was so hilly like coming out of the northern beaches and then coming through Roseville Bridge and stuff and I was broken like 
I was just in a world of pain and I started getting a bit delirious and, you know, and you have to really lock in on like, why am I doing this? Otherwise you'll stop, you know, and obviously I tapped into the, the reasons why I'm doing the long run for me, you know, with losing mates to suicide and my own journey with mental health and my mom and things like that. So, you know, you dig deep and it does get you through like Goggins style, you know, you have to go somewhere else. Otherwise you just won't do it. Like your, your mind is just trying to talk you out of it. Why, why the fuck are you running? Stop, stop, stop here. Get the bus, get a taxi, get an Uber. Like it's all the yeah. shit that's happening. Like go get a burger, mate. You've You're run 40 already. You know, and it's hard when you've, out. yeah, when you've already got like 40 Ks up, like when I ran, when it ticked over the marathon on that training run, like literally was hard to just keep running. Like my body actually physically wanted to stop. I was like, oh, well, I've run a marathon now. I don't want to run another 10Ks, but I did. It was brutal though. Um, and that's kind of what you got to do. Yeah. yeah that was, uh, I think Eddie was there as well. I, I made the smart decision to, to run a marathon to a mate's 30th lunch up in oh, Avalon. Bruh. <laughs> <laughs> and let me tell you, there was some very, very dark spots. And the likes of Scotty and Kaz were there at the finish and they're just filming me on the, I've taken, I've just started undressing myself on a public bench. I'm sitting there just going, oh God, what have I just done? And I ended up being super hot, dehydrated at the end of that run too so i was sitting there at lunch all the boys are yahooing smacking margaritas and i'm just there having my hydrolyte water <laughs> for the first three hours so you didn't, been some you, dark didn't you didn't piss for about three hours yeah right? three like, just had the urge to piss for a long time but just little dribble <laughs> so what's the longest you've run to date like how much time like how much more further do you have to run to you know, based off what you've done already, if that yeah, makes sense. This, this is a ridiculous question. Um, well, the answer is ridiculous. Um, my longest run, 60Ks. Oh, bro. Oh, my God. So you yeah. got to double it. Yeah, which, which, I'm excited, which, I'm, bit, yeah. which I'm excited about. So I did, last year I, I doubled it for November. I, I was, I'd only run 30 and I did 60. So although it's, you know, a big doubling, I'm like, well, I've doubled before. I'll double again. <laughs> sure. Now it's locked in. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm not. I'm not too dissimilar. Mine was fifty uh, k's, but the night prior, I went and knocked up twenty. So within the twenty-four hour window, around seventy. Um, but yeah, the, after yeah. that, that run was was feeling good. So it's just you never want to do too much. You don't want to go into the day with any niggles or, or anything like that. So yeah. we're just really managing the body at the moment. Yeah, we did do quite a few um, like long runs and then the and backing up the next day. So. A lot of people training for ultras will do that back-to-back -back day, which they apparently simulates a very similar, um, you know, loading on the body rather than just going out and running for eight or 10 hours, which is just, it's hard time-wise anyway. So we were doing like a lot of five or six hour runs and then an hour or two the next day to, to continue to run on fatigue legs. So uh, how long do you expect it to take you? We're, we think we'll be back in Bondi by 6 p.m. We're starting at four, so that's 14 hours. With some stops, so it's yeah probably, probably thirteen hours of running, twelve and a half, thirteen hours of running over the fourteen hour period because we have some pit stops. Right. But it's yeah, it's insane. Like when you look at it like that, it's it is daunting even for us. Like we're dialing in the mindset, like li literally listening to Goggins to try and yeah. get in the zone. But we're breaking it up. We've broken it up into sort of twenty-ish k legs. So we've got some nice some bite-sized chunks. Yeah, yeah, and we're just gonna literally just. All you want to think about is that next 20 or so. When we start, all Lockie and I are talking about is getting to Manly. Then when we get to Manly, it's Narrabeen. And then from Narrabeen, it's Palmy. And then from Palmy, it's back to Narrabeen, you know. And we're just like going through the motions like that. It's going to be um, 
beautifully the hottest fucking day since last summer, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> so the weatherman says it's 30. Oh, it's oh, back. No. Yeah. It's going to be he's, 30 plus. He's, oh. he's, he's calling 32 plus. Yeah. So oh. we're going to be cooking out there. Like I ran and, and Lockie did too. We ran through the heat a couple of weeks ago and it was about 26 or 27. And it was so hot because like we've been running all our runs in the morning. You know, in pretty nice weather at the moment. Like it's, you know, 15, 16 degrees is very mild. Yeah, it's nice. And then running in that heat, we're like, fuck, like the amount of water you needed. And, you know, it just, it zaps you. You know, it's like, it's tough going. So it's just going to make it that much harder, but we're good. You know, we'll just get through it. Sunscreen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sun, sunscreen and a hat. Yeah, sunscreen yeah, and a hat. Get the flat hat on, slip shot up, slab. get running. Yeah, yeah, yeah. get running. <laughs> What's what? How quick are the K's you're going to be doing, do you reckon? Just to give me a sense. Yeah, some splits. Yeah, I, give me look, splits. Just to inject my own sort of athletic prowess, I have recently started trying to exercise again, as my body suggests. And my splits are around, if I can get, my splits are probably five minute K's. For nice. like four kilometers. Nice. At a, at a time. Good. Yeah, strong, good. mate. That's Don't disrespect me on the podcast. That's good. So where, where, where are you guys? Where are mate, you? we're dialed way back. We're uh, we're probably hoping to average about six minute pace. For 120 k's, though, right? <laughs> so I'm like a minute off what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. It's been, it's been interesting. Like, really, the guys at the running room and stuff like that have been teaching us just to dial back in, you know, shorten your stride up. And so it's been, you know, our, our comfy pace is probably 4.30 you know, on a general run. <laughs> so we've really had to dial it in and, and just teach ourselves not to not to go out there as we say we're not breaking world records we just want to get a big bunch of people with us on the day and and, and run that 126 so there are going to be people running with you absolutely other yeah. psychopaths yeah it's it's been um so the, the whole concept that Lockie and i came up with is is to make it completely inclusive so like a lot of the run clubs that we're part of um you know anyone can come and run any distance they want so we've got people hoping to run their first five or 10 K a lot of people are going for the half marathon or marathon on the day. Um, a couple of people ran their first marathon recently in training and are trying to do their first ultra. So say like 50, um, so there's a real range. And then we've got a couple of other crazy fuckers trying to do the 126 with us. I think there's three others now, three or three or four. Three or four. Um, yeah. One, one of, one of our mates, um, Declan, who's run a couple of hundreds before is a, actually, I think he used to be a captain of like, Ranwick um, rugby or something like that. He's an old Joey's boy. He's a rugby boy. You may got, may know him, but um, he's an amazing athlete. But he's a big boy, and um, he goes, "Mate, I'm just going to run till I'm in a body bag." <laughs> <laughs> Proper goggles. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's like, I just and that like I like that though. You know, people kind of just seeing seeing how far the body can go on the day. Like 126, sure, that's a goal. But if I can get to Palmy, that's great, and then recharge the batteries and just see how far back I can get. Then just could yeah. call a friend, dial in an Uber. So I'm pretty sure, like, you had in sort of indicative times, didn't you, on your Instagram page, if there's anyone out there that wants to join in at any stage of the run, what's your Instagram handle to go check that out? It's uh, Lockie, L-O-C-K-I-E underscore Clancy, no E. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go check it out. There's some times there um, and some windows. You certainly don't have to join in at, at the aid stations. You can join in along the way. We're going to have a live tracker on the day, which we'll share a link to the night before um so everyone can sort of check where we're at if it's you know if we're running past your house pop out the front gate and and can get going nice now obviously the uh the reason for doing this is rooted in men's health um so what is it personally with whatever you're comfortable sort of speaking of but your own individual reasons for doing so and how you got to this point how much time do you have? <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll go first. Yeah. <laughs> now, look, for, for me, it was 
Um, obviously, prostate cancer is one of the one of the key ones that they've got out there. So just raising a bit of awareness with that, seeing the old man go through it uh, this year. So he sort of sat down the boys in the family and and told us what he what he was diagnosed with, underwent major surgery, and then just seeing his his battle with it since then. You know, it's it's a major chunk of your body getting cut out, and you've really got to teach your body to adapt. And that was kind of the mindset for me was you know no one wakes up and goes hey I'm just going to go run 126k. Um, so really teaching or, you know, trying to inspire people that you can, you can train your body, you can adapt. And then hopefully dad takes a, takes a leaf out of that book to, to be on his road to recovery. Um, mm. and obviously mental health is, is obviously massive amongst us blokes. So Dan's got a very, very inspiring story and, and I certainly wanted to be there with him along the whole way. Yeah. Um, look, it's, it's super special to have Lockie along, you know, and I'm really proud of what he's doing for his old man. I know Sean pretty well, so it's uh, it's awesome and you know for me um i've had a really big journey with mental health i was diagnosed with adhd at seven and that was a really tough journey going through school being the kid that takes pills and you know all the bullying and stuff that associated with that and just not really knowing who i was ever really um as i mentioned before we started i got married young and there's a whole series of things that I really struggled with in life, but then going through a divorce at 28 and feeling like I'd lost my whole life and still, you know, had a lot of things. And I was just in a, in a really dark place of depression without realizing, but I never, never knew what it was mental health. So I didn't join the dots and I never, um, shared my experience with anyone. So, you know, even going back to seven years old, I never told my parents that I was being picked on or bullied. I just suppressed it. And I just took that really toxic behavior through my whole life, like a lot of us blokes do and just buried it. And whenever anything was tough, I just, yeah, stuck a lid on it and pushed it down as far as I could. And, you know, then obviously started, um, you know, numbing that with toxic things like smashing too many beers on the weekends or partying or whatever it was to distract myself, even fitness, you know, got, um, got toxic you know i went through like you guys said you got some natural bodybuilders on like i went through a stage where i was completely addicted to the gym just because you know i thought if i looked bigger and stronger you know i'd be a, a stronger man and a better man it was bizarre like wasn't super conscious but like i was weighing my food i was going to the gym every day it was quite insane um you know and all those things have an expiry date whether it's drinking and partying you know going out chasing women or whatever it, it's all gonna lose its its buzz and you're going to be left sitting there with your darkness still like it doesn't go away and um you know i hit a pretty serious rock bottom um in 2014 i tried to take my life i was really lucky to live through that i got rescued actually um and had a huge journey of mental health recovery from there you know i was in i was in hospital for quite some time um in a psychiatric hospital and medication the whole journey and um you know got back out there in the real world and that was tough um went back to my old job which was a big pretty high pressure corporate job. Um, I was a director of an international property firm and realized I had to leave that job. And then the last five years um, since then has just been me trying to find out, you know, where I fit and what works for me, you know, trying to stay off the beers and find some long-term sobriety whilst still remaining social with my mates and stuff. So, you know, it's been a real challenge. There've been lots of ups and downs, but you know, like now I have two beautiful young kids and, and a really supportive partner. And you know, so my journey is, you know, which I share, and that's why I'm an ambassador for Movember and Are You Okay and those charities, is to share with people. Um, sure, it can get dark. Um, not only do I want people to see themselves on my journey and get help sooner than I did, like you don't need to go to crisis point and try and take your life to get help, right? Like I could have got help when I went through my divorce and talked it through and got the strategies and, and skills to not get 
well down that path of, of um, you know, rock bottom. Mm. Um, you know, but I, I just want to inspire people to find hope that, you know, you can recover because I, I literally wanted to um, take my life because I did I hated life. I, I couldn't live another day. I thought everyone was, you know, better off without me. And that's kind of what happens. Your mind just completely turns against you by that point and you lose, you lose it. It's, it's no longer an asset. It's a serious liability just telling you really toxic things all the time. And, um, you know, if I can help people be inspired to reach out and get the right help, uh, whether that's just a psychologist or via the GP or just reaching out to friends and talking, you know, and saying to your mate, like, can we go for a walk and have a yarn, you know, I've broken up my missus or whatever it is. You know, the us blokes, we need to talk more. That is the long and short of it. We're not, in terms of mental health and suicide prevention, we're not looking for a cure for cancer. Like the, the, the answer is connection. The answer is community. The answer is talking. Um, and we just need to do it better. And, you know, it saves lives. I've been involved in plenty of conversations that have saved lives in the last five years, including the one that saved my own life with a police officer, you know, when I was ready to jump off the Harbour Bridge. Wow. So, um, you know, it's it's one of those things. Um, can, I, can I ask a question just yeah. with that? I mean, like you talk about the like a copper sort of talking you off the ledge. Mm. Now that you're like removed from that whole thing and you've got clarity and you're able to look back, like what do you think of, like how do you look back at the person that was doing that? What's that like? Mate, it's like I got goosebumps thinking when yeah. someone frames a question like that. Or when I run over the bridge, I get it. Um, you know, I, I see the spot. There's one photo of, of me getting rescued. So like it's, it hits home. I'm mates with the guy that saved my life. Um, so I've heard his perspective. You know, it's, it's still hard to picture it being me. I know it was me, but it's like it that was a different person, you know. Like the Aaron, the police officer, said like when he saw me, he'd never seen someone look so lifeless. He's like, mate, I just looked right through you. He had no soul. Like you were just done. I, I literally said to him, mate, just leave me alone. I've had enough. Leave me alone, mate. I'm, I'm all right. And, you know, that's that's the, the job that they do is to bring people back, you know. And, it, mate, you know, we spoke for 20 minutes and he was just kept telling me it's okay. It's going to be fine. I've seen people come back from where you are. We'll get your help. Um, you know, no one's going to turn their back on you. Everyone's going to be there for you, you know. And, um, yeah, look, he, he was able to spark some hope in me to live that day. And, and that's, you know, if I can do that for anyone else, um, you know, then, you know, I'll share my story till, till the day I'm no longer here, you know, if, if that's the change it's going to make. Yeah. And so how long after that moment did you start to sort of, get some clarity and sort of like get out from the, you know, the, the weeds the real of it dark, all, you know darkness. what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, mate, look, I think it was a, it was a really tough three to six months, like really tough, like just, so I didn't share the story for a long time. Like even my best mates, like boys like Lockie, the guys I worked with, um, there was so much shame and, and stigma around it and, and fear even from my family. Like, you know, this is, this is not like saying that my family didn't handle it well at all. It's just a societal thing. But like things like, oh, don't tell your grandma, you know, she might freak out a little bit by that. We just might gloss over the, you know, and you can't do that when yeah. someone's gone through a mental health crisis or trying to take that, like you can't because mm -hmm. they're already feeling stigmatized. Like that's what the stigma is. Like you've got to just go like, you know, sure. I was, I felt so much shame for a long time about saying, I tried to take my life. I still fear sometimes that people are judging me thinking I'm a weak person for it, but it doesn't really matter. Like when I ground myself, I know that, you know, I've grown from that experience. I wasn't a weak person then. I was just a person that was struggling. And um, I know that if I keep being vulnerable and sharing 
openly how I'm feeling, that's when I'm my strongest, mm. bizarrely. Like vulner Brene Brown talks about it, if you're familiar with her, like vulnerability is such a courageous and strong um, personality trait and thing that we can all practice. Like you're so connected with people when you're being vulnerable as opposed to like, you know, bullshitting and not telling the truth. And, you know, you've got that space between you and other people because you're not being genuine. Mm. Um, mate, yeah, look, it was, it was tough. It was a tough probably three to six months. And then um, oh, I've still had to work on a lot since then, you know, hundreds of hours of therapy. I've done meditation, yoga, spent some time out of the corporate world just to, you know, reset. And, um, you know, it's, I still have tough days. Like Lockie's, Lockie's seen my tough days, give him a call sometimes and let him know I'm going through a bit of head noise or whatever. Um, I had some time out of work at the end of last year because I was burning out. Um, went back on medication for the first time in two years because I just wasn't really coping with, you know, fatherhood and the pressure and single income earner and all that shit. I was like, I think I need something else to help me. Like, there's no doubt that I have a predisposition to struggle with anxiety and depression. It's genetically in my family. Yeah. got a couple of family members with bipolar. Um, so it's tough, you know, but I still have a fantastic quality of life you know, I'd say 95% of the time and I take the 5% shit days. They're fine. You know, I just don't let myself stress out that they're a mental health crisis. They're just, you know, a flat day. Yeah. Could I ask a question for you, Lucky? Like, did you have any idea of what he was going through? Um, or when you found out, was it a shock? Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I found out a, li a little while after, probably when Dan came out from, from getting his treatment straight after uh, being pulled off the bridge, and that was a shock. I mean, Dan was best mates with my eldest brother um, going through school, and, you know, my eldest brother's battling with, with alcoholism at the moment. So um, to hear that and, and just to... I was, I was purely taken off, you know, as a, as a young buck, you, you look up to these guys, um, and it's just so common these days. Um, so everyone's just got to talk about it, uh, embrace it, and... As Dan said, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, you 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 want to be thick, you want to be that big tough buck, but you know, instead of just staying on the surface level, and that's what that's what's really good about the long run. Um, last year, when I joined Dan, I ran my first marathon distance, and you know, when you're fatigued, you you probably let your guard down a lot, and you just automatically become vulnerable. Um, I'm not going to say I'm a master of vulnerability at all, um, <laughs> but having those little glimpses, it's it's a really rewarding. Um, yeah, we mate, it, that is it's so true. Like Lockie, my most memorable moment of the sixty k last year was Lockie's um, Mara. Like we literally like we're running and you know, he was going to run. Was it fifteen or twenty? You were going to run initially. Twenty, yeah. Yeah. So you know, and a few guys did this, and this is what these sorts of things do, which is why they're so powerful. Like people come out and run, and when you have got people around your community, um, you know, you're having a yarn, you're running at that pace that's a little bit more comfortable. You know, like he's like, oh, I might do 30. And then I remember him going, you had something on and you were like, guys, the, the missus is going to pick me up. <laughs> had to go see Dr. Carr, yeah. get the toothy yeah. pegs sorted out. Um, and he's like, he's like, fuck, do I have time? And, you know, it was important to him. So anyway, he ticked, you know, and he was supporting me, but part of it was for him too, of course. And, but we were out in front and we were having a seriously good yarn and, you know, Lockie was opening up about, you know, some of the things that were going on in his family that he was struggling with and, um, you know, his brother, Aaron, who, you know, sadly I don't see anymore, um, but was a, you know, a very good mate of mine. He was one of my grooms at my wedding and, you know, he's, he's really struggling with alcoholism. It's really sad to see, like, it really upsets me. Like, I'll try to hold it together now, but like, mm. you know, like I've lost a mate through that experience, you know, like, and you, you know, you want to try and help people, but some people you can't help. So you just help who you can. So obviously, you know, your story's pretty moving. Um, it's profound. It's, it's intense, but 
Is there any advice you give to, to anyone who might be out there that's listening now, that's going through some struggles, that they're not sure where to turn, they're not sure how to approach it, they're not sure how what the first step is, what the first yeah. step looks like? Yeah, um, you know, I think if, if you're aware that you're struggling um, and you don't feel like you want to talk to a mate or, you know, a work colleague or use your EAP work program or whatever, um, the best point of call is the GP. Just go see your local GP, let them know how you're feeling. They'll probably run through a few questions with you um, and they'll point you in the right direction of what's next for you. It might just be um, a bit of a health plan that they'll just give you. Just Why don't you just try a few things? Because um, they are very skilled in, in mental health, though they're not you know, uh, psychologists or psychiatrists. You're not going to get an hour counseling session with a GP, but they'll, they'll help you um, and they may refer you on to a psychologist or psychiatrist depending on how you're presenting. Um, you know, and sometimes people go to the GP thinking they're not too bad and they'll end up being referred to, um, you know, a, a clinic. Mm. You know, they might say, look, you actually, you've got some suicidality going on. It probably good to get on top of it now before it runs away from you. And, but that's, that's the place to start. And they can also write you up a mental health um, plan, which means you can get um, Medicare subsidized sessions. You can actually get up to 20 now per, per year. They've increased it from 10. So, you know, they're government subsidized psychology sessions um, and if you find the right psychologist there's no gap so it's literally free for, to get really um, you know high quality therapy um, you know we've got a really good health system in in this country and um, you know I think we're we're very lucky in that way so it's you know it's worthwhile using it it's there it's there at your fingertips but you know the first going to your GP for the first time to say oh, I'm struggling with mental health it's daunting like I'm not going to sugarcoat that for a lot of people that's what stops them getting help um, even if it is just talking to someone that you're not really connected to, but um, try and push through that because you know it is getting on top of your mental health early is is a life changing journey, and um, you know it'll it'll you know save you a lot of suffering in the in the long run. I've uh, I've got members of my family as well who suffer from mental health, um, and as well like as we've all got friends who who suffer. What would you say uh, as someone who's experienced it and you've gone through it? I guess there's sometimes uh, whether whether you're whether you know you've got a friend who's suffering or whether you might suspect someone is suffering. The best way to handle it as a friend, because you know, there's obviously a lot of it's like you know, if you've got it's not it's not weak to speak if you're suffering, but if you're the person who's on the outside seeing something that's going on and you sort of feel fucking helpless a lot of the time, is there anything that you might be able to like that you recommend? based on your experiences, that's like a good way to tackle it? Mm. Um, yeah, it's a, look, it's a great question. It's a really touchy subject. It's a really tricky subject. Um, my advice is, and what I've found works best, is if one of my mates is struggling um, and I ask them if they're all right, um, you know, pretty point blank, like is everything going okay? How are you feeling? Not just how are you, mate? Mm -hmm. Like an actual, uh, and, they, and they sort of glance over and say, oh, yeah, I'm fine. I'll just hit them with another question that's pretty specific, like, or a bit of a, an observation about their behavior that's changed. So, you know, generally, if you think someone's struggling, it's, it's tied to some sort of behavior of theirs that's changed or their personality shifted a little bit, whether that's you know, you're not turning up to the gym or you haven't been coming out socially, you're not writing back to texts anymore, um, you know, you're, you seem a bit off at work, whatever it is. You say those things to people, um, you know, in a really empathetic and caring way, like, um, 
that's that's an opportunity for them to open up. And if they don't, I've found that quite often it's the it's planting the seed that then in a week's time I'll get a call. Hey, Pricey, you know when you asked me if I was okay and you said, you know, I haven't been coming to the gym much, I'm actually going through X, Y, Z. Um, you know, and, and that's really all you can do. But I think the other thing that stops people asking their mates if they're okay is, is the fear of what to do when they say they're not. Um, but... Again, what all the mental health charities say is, um, you know, you don't need to offer any advice. You know, we're actually not skilled in it. None of us are. I'm not, and I'm I speak on this topic all the time. But I'm not a counsellor or a psychologist, so I don't. I try not to provide specific advice ever. Mm. Talk from my own experience, sure. But you know, you're really just um, a sounding board. You know, you're just opening up space for them, some sp- safe space for them to start sharing how they're feeling, and then point them in the direction of the right care say look you know and and you might even support them in in booking the appointment or or taking them there because it's it's daunting you know like um i've gone with a couple of mates to to see the psychologist like i just may i just come with you we'll drive together sit in the meeting room because you know you might want to just turn the car around and sit in the car park and you don't go in because you know it is it's quite a daunting experience but once you crack that egg open and um and start that therapy journey or whatever it is for you um you know, it is life-changing, so it's worth it. Nice. Powerful stuff. Yeah, man. Fuck. Well, obviously, it goes back to the long run. Where This is why the boys are doing it. Um, so I think that, you know, if you've got a spare fiver kicking around, like, head over to... Should they go to your Instagram page? Where's the best place to go? Yeah, shoot around over to my page. Get the link in the bio there. Um, so do you want to repeat that for us, Lockie? Yeah, it's Lockie underscore Clancy, L-O-C-K-I-E underscore Clancy. Um, go check it out. It's actually been mind-blowing, actually, the, the donations that are coming in, especially with the times that we're faced, you know, people taking pay cuts and the like. But at the moment, as a team, we're, we've just clicked over 30K raised, um, which is incredible. And that certainly gets us going when we're out there training or on the big day, you know, thinking about the support that we've got behind us. So thank you to everyone that's donated so far and, and everyone that's going to donate. Yeah, it's, been, on it's been epic. And don't slip into, uh, slide into Lucky's DMs and give me a little pump up as well. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Make pump Pump me up. Um, and, and ultimately, you know, like the conversation can, it, it gets, it gets heavy and it gets dark, but ultimately what you guys are doing is really positive And it's also yeah. ultimately positive to be trying to actively tackle all this shit head on and to talk about it. So, you know, I do want to sort of try and finish on, you know, an up vibe sort of note about what it is you guys are doing. Cause it's fucking incredible. And, uh, it certainly makes me feel very small when it comes to <laughs> the run that I had planned and have since canceled for the day. <laughs> yeah. Mate, you, you are, mate, you're so right though, you know, and I always try and when I'm sharing my story, I always try and, you know, finish on letting people know how well I am today. Like, you know, and fuck, I've got two beautiful kids at home, a supportive partner and, and so much great community around me. Everyone backs me in what I do. No one's turned their back on me. You know, it's a really positive story and there's so many stories like that out there. Like, and it's, it's going to be really good vibe on the day. So come out and, and have a trot. You know, everyone's welcome. I hope to see you boys out what there. What day are you running? Next Saturday. Saturday. You don't next have anything Saturday. on. What's the date next Saturday? 28. This Saturday. This Saturday. I could probably, I could probably squeeze out a, a tight five. <laughs> yeah. We'll take six, it. We'll take minute, anything. Six minute, six minute, six minute Ks. I'll fucking beat all of you. Yeah. In six minute <laughs> 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 Scotty to wrangle me into, and I think you may well have me now, the Narrabeen to Palmy leg. Yeah, nice. It's a good So what time do you, oh, I don't know about 20, woo up there, but I can certainly, I'll drive alongside you. If you want to, if you do want to, we'll get the Want a fairly, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you want a fairly easy 
leg, we we threw in Narrabeen Lagoon because it's flat and pretty easy. Great like run. some some people, do, yeah, and it's and it's really nice. Some people don't want to run um, the hills and stuff like that because it is you know a lot tougher. So. Yeah, that one's there for you, mate. A nice little eight eight point two k. Okay, that's yeah. a good one. Yeah. Nice I've got run. a question. Oh, sorry, what are you going to say? No, I've just got the times up here. Narrab, should be pulling into Narrabeen Lagoon at quarter to nine in the morning. So okay, well, because I've time. got a young daughter, so that might actually work well. Steph, we can go. Let's go to the yeah. beaches. Yeah, and there's a car park. And there's a car park. All right. So you yeah. run around the lagoon. Okay. Well, but cars, I mean, nice I've got easy. some sort yeah. of running specific questions here now. I. You know, I've probably just recently exercised the most I ever have since like high school. So that's 12-ish years. We're going on 12 years. And a couple of the boys in a chat group that we all started and everyone sort of does their exercise. They sort of brag about what fucking splits they're doing, which would, you know, again, be shameful in, in this room. But like, I just sort of started going probably way too hard too soon. And again, 4K is not that hard, but you get the point. Um, and now I get, sh- I've got fucking shin splints. Like I've got them like an absolute motherfucker. And I'm like, I just don't know what to do to stop them. And I'm like, do I go and get x-rays on my shins after running 4Ks? Like, is that where I'm at? Or do I just sort of wear it? Like, what do you do there? Do you guys get shin splints? Get a pair of rollerblades. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's certainly, it's certainly baby steps. You know, as I say, we sort yeah. of we increased ten percent each week in our program. So we went, we started small and, and built up to where we were, and we'll, we'll take a step back every sort of five weeks. So, baby steps. There's no point in going out and trying to break records. Just get out there and enjoy it. Now, you see a lot of marathon runners and they get to the end and their nipples are bleeding from like, shirt <laughs> running. Have you got, have you got like nipple patches? Is that a... There's, there's, there's plenty of tips and tricks out yeah. there and I've actually started a little Clancy's Ultra Tips. Yeah, you can run, <laughs> run through them. Right, number one's Vaso on the visor. So I, I got oh. caught out up in up in Byron running a half up there and I was like, oh God, this isn't good. The, the inner thighs are getting raw here. That's problem there, isn't it? Yeah, yeah <laughs> see this? There's no box You'll gap here. Thighs, no, no box, box gaps cap. here. So I had to run back and get some vaso so now I just keep on the visor it's come in handy for not only me other oh, people oh so you keep like a, a little dollop of it up there literally yeah. just running with just a dollop you run with the jar mate, or a dollop I need a fucking camelback full of it and just have to Shack squeeze it, it down into my pan Shack it on yeah there wouldn't be any water in your camelback <laughs> it's all vaso uh Talking about nipples, you know, me and a few boys did the Oxfam walk uh, last year and and that was we pre-start. We just put a bit of tape on the nipples straight away. Just take that off the take yeah. that off the table. Yeah. You don't need to deal with that. that. You know, you see people running across in their white shirts and it's just streaming blood. It's, like it's, something it's, it's not good. That's enough to scare yeah. me off marathons. It's just bleeding nipples. I'm like, yeah. I don't it's not something I ever thought had happened in my life. No, God, no. Savage. And another one for uh, for players and punters and dribblers out there is never trust the fart that early in the morning. You just <laughs> you do not know what it is and what's going to come. So especially after the morning coffee. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Careful. Yeah. Mate, oh careful. We had, never trust a fart. We no, had never trust. We had one training run where I think I think before the ten k mark, Lockie went to the <laughs> Lockie stopped off at every bathroom on the way. There was at least three stops. He's like, oh, Price, you got to go again. <laughs> Oh, classic. Classic. There you go, and uh, mate, how do you how do you feed the body? What's what are you eating on one hundred and twenty six point six? Yeah, it's it's tough. That's been probably the biggest challenge. I think is is nutrition's big. You got to keep the mind on point. You know, I think the the legs and the body's going to keep going, but when the mind goes, everything starts falling out. So you know, we, we're on the gels. You know, 
baby food's been a God's gift to me, to be honest. I, on one run with Pricey, I bonked so hard and I was like, man, I'm not going anywhere. He goes, hold on a second. Rolls out with his baby food and I'm like, oh, this is fucking right delicious. <laughs> delicious. Bit of Bellamy's organic. Yeah, apples and bananas, mate. Like, uh, it's just... It's uh, it's superfood. Well, it's also right. a superfood if you're a dad that doesn't know how to cook and it's like, <laughs> oh, you're going out for a walk and it's like, oh, here's a pouch of food. Here you go. Yeah, you come the, you come back with the with the bub and the missus goes, eh, has she eaten? You're like, yeah, she's had three baby fish. <laughs> <laughs> so a bit of the pouches. You try and get a bit of solid in every few hours, but it, it, it is tough you, to digest stuff while you're running. It's it's not easy. Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to eat. Everyone's different, but yeah, there's like. You know, you read a few books and blogs from ultra runners and work out kind of what they what they do. I've just tried to emulate that. I try and eat as much like whole foods as I can, just blended up food. Just because, mate, I can't do the gels. I get a really crook stomach about three or four hours in if I'm just fueling with sugar. That's when farts are a problem. Yeah, that's, <laughs> mate, it's, yeah. You, a lot of people get it, actually. They get like this, you know, gastrointestinal, like you get cramping and stuff. It's just because your gut's not used to it. And obviously you're under a lot of stress, so you're, digestive system isn't working as hard because the energy's going everywhere else so if you just go and like smash so, you know something that it needs to process it's like what are you doing mm -hmm. i don't want that right now yeah so it's been it's been tricky but especially in the heat we're just gonna have to be super on point with it like i've got an alarm on my watch now that literally beeps every half an hour and it says eat <laughs> it's that simple it's just wow. like beep eat because you get a bit delirious and if you if we're like if we were if we're out there um say on the 60 to 80k leg where it's 35 degrees or something and we miss, we don't eat for an hour, you're, you're fucked. Yeah, you you're probably won't come back. You, you'll hit a wall for half an hour after that because you didn't you didn't continuously fuel. You might get a bit dehydrated. You start going gaga. I start telling Clancy that I'll, you know, I want to go walk bare feet on the sand or something weird. And he's like, mate, are you okay? And I'll take like, you up oh. on that. So man. will you get it? Do you sort of like lose it a bit? Like, you can get yeah. a bit. Yeah, you get a bit weird yeah you just go Fuck. delirious like yeah. that's like the start of bonking you're like that was you it, can yeah. tell people just start like or well, they'll say the same thing two or three times you're like are you okay no. <laughs> bit of blurred vision there was yeah, a bit, bit of blurred of, vision yeah. coming into the 30th up there in avalon it was <laughs> it was dark it was dark yeah, yeah well, they were all saying double as well just for yeah. different reasons <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, look, boys, thank you very much for coming in. Obviously, again, it's just fantastic what you're doing. Really appreciate the fact you guys are driving the conversation and uh, and genuinely hearing your stories. Uh, very moving and, and uh, important. Uh, we'll share a link to any like donation uh, sort of site in our yeah. bio on Instagram. And you might see us there for a cheeky couple of Ks on Saturday. Yeah, yes. Come down for a trot. Give, give what you can. Um, great, great cause. Great run. These two legends are, mate, what an inspiration. So Good luck. Best, boys. Good, Good luck. luck. Thanks, Jen. Thanks for having us. Appreciate Beautiful. it. Thank you. Beautiful. Could you two just not talk anymore?